Welcome to Chit Chat and Chai with your host, R.C. Mala and Ritu. Knock, knock. Who's there? A broken pencil. Broken pencil who? Never mind. It's pointless. <laughs> that was to- a good one, Mala. Was, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chit Chat and Chai again, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the joke and just want to ask if anyone knows or can guess what this episode is going to be about today. Just a little hint, it's going to be a lot of laughter and smiles. Also, we have a lot going on in October. What do you say, girls? Yeah, there's a lot of festivities, a lot of festivals going on. We have Navratri, Dashera, I think, um, Diwali, Halloween. I mean, all the festivals are starting now. Which usually means a lot of food and more food and more food. So, you know, in uh, America, they say um, the 10 pounds after our, um, like Thanksgiving and Christmas, we're screwed as Indians because ours starts in October. And then you have Halloween and then you have Thanksgiving and then you have Christmas. So, yeah. So what I was remembering is Navratri has started. So y'all are busy with Garbas? I went to one. I'm not a big, I love Garba, but I don't go every day. A lot of Gujarati community have really big events every day of the week. But I went to one. Yeah, it was a lot of- I go to at least one. I do, I love Garbas, but I did go. I went to Falguni Patak, who was here from India. Oh my God, what an amazing, amazing evening that was. Um, She is amazing. Diwali's coming up October 24th. Any memories for you guys? Anything that you guys did special? The big one that I remember was when I was really young. Parents had moved back to India for about a year and a half. So we had a big, big Diwali celebration in Ajmer. All of my extended family came from Bombay, Delhi, everywhere, and they came to Ajmer. It was huge. So there was so much food, there was fireworks, there was puja at home, puja at the office, puja at the the shop, all kinds of stuff that uh, was new for me, not seeing it in England. And then when we moved back to England, it was small, it was always smaller until I want to say like the mid or early 80s, you know, the influx of Indians in in England is just huge, right? I think we've taken over. I mean, literally every corner there's an Indian shop and every corner there's an Indian. So there would be like the Shara at the park and then there would be Diwali, fireworks, and it was fun. We did have a good celebration because of the community. What about you guys? Yeah, for me, you know, Diwali sadly was not a big event because I've been here since um, early 70s. And of course, being from Woodridge, Illinois, there was just no Indian influence at all. There were no stores, nothing like that. Plus parents being immigrants and working really hard, just trying to make two ends meet. There was no time to really focus on Diwali growing up. So it wasn't a big thing for me. But, you know, now just with friends and learning about stuff, I'll try to remember to light a candle on one of the days. Yeah. We'll just go to the parties, enjoy that, enjoy the food and friends. And how about you, RC? I grew up having four hours of puja. So my dad would do two hours in the office and then we'd come home and do another two hours. And we would wash the coins, you know, do the book puja for the accounts. And and we would have a puri and food, mitais and all that stuff. Really nice that mom and dad gave us that Diwali exposure here because now my kids, you know, are exposed to it. Hopefully they'll carry it forward, especially my older one being married. I hope she does a little puja and does a little decoration or, you know, something festive. Again, like you said, it's nice to be able to continue that 
cultural awareness for the kids in the next generation so that they can enjoy Bali and Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the other festivals that everyone celebrates in a diverse and multiracial country. So I think it's great. And here's a little tip, you guys. I don't know if you've heard this, but lighting a dia and keeping it in the bathroom, Lakshmi ji come. Have it more than one. <laughs> <laughs> So my mother-in-law always said, put yeah. one in the bathroom. And I'm just like, bathroom? Why? I'm definitely going to try it. Every bathroom is going to have at least one. The last two or three Diwali's, or a little few, maybe four or five, I see the president giving a little speech and lighting the candle. Now, I can't remember that happening many years ago, but I feel yeah. like it's something new. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. kind of cool. It's a lot more awareness on Diwali. I think it's because of the contribution of the Indian community overall in the US, right? I mean, we've yeah. made a mark for ourselves. You know, Indians are everywhere in England. It's not unusual to have palak paneer or paneer tikka masala or whatever. Butter chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Friday night, you ask a white person in England, what are you having for dinner? And they'll say, I'm having a curry, chikka tikka masala, you know? It's so normal. So I think here too, I mean, we've grown, right? Yeah, so Mala introduced the episode with a knock-knock joke. And if you guys didn't get it already, this episode is all about comedy and laughter. We have a guest speaker who we're going to have in a little bit. But why don't we take our own little threesome and do some comedy of our own, like a couple of jokes, maybe? What do you say, ladies? Can we do stand-up? <laughs> I don't know about stand-up, but I can share a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's good enough. Let's try that. Because, <laughs> you know, they do say comedy is probably one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Is. In that field. And it's yeah. so true. You know, some people say, can tell a joke so well, and some people just like, no matter how funny the joke is, or laughing at your own joke before you even say the punchline. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was my father in law. He'd start cracking up even before he said the whole thing. So you have to keep a straight face on top of it. Go for it, RC. Let's hear your okay, joke. Okay, so one of my father-in-law always said this joke, and that's why I remember it clearly. A kid fell into a well, and everybody's looking in and seeing, oh my God, who's going to save the kid? Who's going to save the kid? All of a sudden, you hear a splash, and somebody dove in and brought the kid out, and everybody's like, oh my God, so brave of you. You saved the kid, so nice. You know, you're so, um, whatchamacallit, brave, and you took the kid out. Um, congratulations, good job. And the guy is looking around really upset and looking in the crowd and they're like, why are you upset? He goes, I want to find out who pushed me in. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ritu? You got one? Well, I have a funny life story. My grandfather came to London. He would visit for long periods of time. We have a family friend. They were looking for a match for her. And my grandfather would always take it upon himself to go find these suitable bachelors, wherever. And one day he called my mom, he was on his way to see my uncle. So he's at the bus stop and he called my mom from when he got to my uncle's place and said, this is amazing, this is amazing. So my mom says, what, what? She says, I, he said, I found the perfect match for our friend. And my mom is like, really? She says, where? She's, he said, at the bus stop. So my mom is like, okay. So he said, yes, yes, very nice guy, talked to him, found out a lot about him, and I have his phone number and stuff, and when I get back to London, we'll meet him, and I think you'll really like him. So my mom was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I mean, you know, who knew, right? So anyway, a couple of weeks passed by, then my grandfather comes back, and he's made all these arrangements now to meet up with this guy. And so they pile into the car, 
and they drive off to this address. It took a little while to find the place. My grandfather gets out of the car and says, why don't you guys park? In the meantime, I'll look for the place and you guys join me. So he says, okay, fine. He gets up there and stuff. My mom and my aunt take a few minutes to park the car. Anyway, they make it up to the apartment. My grandfather is in discussion and he turns around to my mom and says, uh, this isn't going to work. I've, I've had a conversation with him and basically we're just going to have to pass on this. So he turns around to the guy and says, look, our daughter is highly educated, very beautiful and very smart. You're clearly not educated. You're not smart and you're not that good looking. So we're, we're going to pass. But if you happen to have a friend who may fit all those categories, please give me a call. <laughs> my mom and my aunt just looked at each other and were like dying, thinking, how could you say this in front of the guy and tell him straight up to his face, you're not educated, you're not that smart, but our daughter is. But if you happen to have a friend, please do contact me. So I guess the guy didn't even know what to say apart from, <laughs> okay, uncle, thank you so much. <laughs> Oh my God. So I have lots of stories about my granddad. I thought you were going to say that the guy was married. Oh no. no, no. I thought like you were grandfather asked all the questions except the main one. Are you married? Anyway, oh my God, was... I just got a mental picture. They needed Seema auntie. And that's need... <laughs> I think had my grandfather been given the opportunity, he would have been the age of Seema. Yeah. Mr. Seema. Dadaji. Dadaji. There we go. There's the show. Marriage broker Dadaji. Mala's turn. So there's so many funny incidents like yours that happened in my house and I can't think of any. So I'll just tell a joke. The judge says to the accused, why did you kill your husband after 20 years of marriage? The accused to the judge. I know your honor. It took me this long because every day I got lazy and I would tell myself, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> that so funny. That's hilarious. Ladies out there, if you are contemplating this, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't get lazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, stay lazy. Stay lazy. Stay, stay lazy. lazy. Stay lazy. <laughs> yes, yes. If you've lived 20 years, you can live another 20. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Isn't laughter just great, right? I mean, we need laughter in our life. And yeah. Sometimes, you know, you get like even the silliest joke on a morning that you're not feeling good on and it just makes your day. Exactly. As much yeah. as I like groan at the number of WhatsApps and texts I get, sometimes that one is yeah. like, oh my God, I needed that. Exactly. It is. They say laughter is medicine, right? Yeah. It is medicine. It's it like is. medicine. Mm -hmm. They have laughter groups, which I think there should be over here as well. I think we could use some laughter therapy groups. Mm -hmm. Start laughing and it passes on. Yeah. Sure, it lowers your blood pressure and takes you away from just the mundane stuff of day to day. And anyone remember any <laughs> comedy shows that they like to watch now or in the past? Well, I think we grew up with Three's Company. I mean, that was even something my mom used to watch all the time. I don't know if she understood because some of those jokes were out there, but she loved that show. I agree with you, Mala, that I loved watching that show. We would watch it. I yeah. love that one. I, I used to love the Jeffersons. Did anyone yeah. watch the Jeffersons? Jeffersons? Yes, yes. I don't know if there was the other one you remember, 227. I don't know if you remember that. It's like the Jeffersons and it used to come on right before Golden Girls. But yeah, that was a comedy show as well too. Okay. I think we are the Golden Girls now, right? But they were yeah. amazing too, by the way. They, they were, were they hilarious. Really were. The legend, Betty White. I mean, she was right. amazing. One of them we do still watch is 
andaz apna apna tere bin laden oh i love that one too oh my God. <laughs> that's hilarious now how about bombay to goa yes yes i mean it was just that was a classic silly stuff but it was yeah. fun times my all-time favorites are just like the old comedy movies that well they're silly but they just make you laugh yeah. leave your brain in the back and just... exactly exactly sometimes my husband will watch something really stupid and i'll look at him and i'm like why and he goes, you know what? This is exactly what I need in my life right now. The stupider it is, the better off I am. That just brings us to the topic of our episode today, which is comedy. And we have a special guest star on our show, Rajiv Satyal. Rajiv Satyal is an American comedian. He's the first person ever to perform stand-up comedy on all seven continents. Satyal has worked with Dave Chappelle, Kevin James, Tim Allen, and Russell Peters. Satyal developed a 90-minute one-person show, No Man's Land, which sold out in Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, and Cincinnati. Satyal also opened for the Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi in front of 17,000 people in San Jose, California. Welcome, Rajiv, to Chit Chat and Jai. So, Rajiv, quite an interesting journey from engineering to comedy. Why that change? To me, it's important to do something that only you can do. I had attended, actually hosted an all-women summit a couple times, actually, a few times. And there's a woman speaker I wish I could attribute. I can't remember who specifically it was. I know her name was Robin. And she said, only do what only you can do. And I thought that was really resonant. You know, I don't know that you can apply that to all aspects of your life. I mean, I still have to vacuum every now and then, and I'm sure someone else could do it. But that said, I think it's good to realize that, hey, you know what? I have the brains for an engineer, but not the heart, right? I have more heart than this. And that's from other engineers. I'm not putting down engineers because that's what I did for a long time. I meet them. I feel a lot of camaraderie with engineers. But at the end of the day, I felt like I was using only my head and not really my heart or my soul. So Rajiv, what haven't you done yet that you would like to accomplish? I think getting a serious TV credit in a, in a real kind of way. I've been on TV and commercials and small cable shows and you know, appeared on Indian TV and things like that, which is great. That's far more people than it is here in the United States. But that said, I think getting that late night set or getting that really cool acting role, I don't put a ton of work into acting as my other acting friends do. We hosted a fireside chat with somebody named Sachin Bhatt, and he just told us that he has 10 different acting coaches and he runs every scene a hundred times. Well, that's why Sachin is good at book roles and Rajiv is not, because I'm not running it that many times. That is just crazy. But you have to be crazy. You have got to be relentless and you got to stay on it. So for me to do a late night set or some kind of, you know, something on TV or or, or Netflix, any streaming, whatever else, in a big way, I've had things on Netflix, I've had things on Amazon, but I'd like it just focused on me for at least five minutes. That would be really cool. So Rajiv, who do you look up to or who influenced you in comedy and who are your favorite comedians, Indians and non? I didn't watch a lot of stand-up growing up. I listened to maybe five comedy albums. After I got into that, I would say that my influences are probably kind of all over the place. I feel sometimes like they are less comedians and more, you know, Mark Twain and Mahatma Gandhi and Abraham Lincoln and all these people who had just pithy, aphoristic sort of comments that they would make that you're like, oh, that was an interesting way of putting that. And that landed kind of in a, in a weird way. I thought that was stuff that was funny on the page could be very interesting. You know, as far as now, I would say my my Mount Rushmore is probably in terms of stand-up comedy, if I had to pick four that I think are the overlap of they're really funny, they're saying something and they're really successful. And that's a very, very, very small group of people. And I wish I would have a little bit more diversity across the gender spectrum, but I will just say it's Chris Rock, 
Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, and rest in peace to Louis C.K. Well, he's still alive, but he's been canceled. So that's been a thing. I'm always very careful now when I mention his name because people are like, wow, he got in trouble for all the stuff that he did. And I'm like, I know, but I separate product from producer. If we started doing that with everybody in entertainment, I think you'd have very few people left. I remember watching Eddie Murphy back in the 80s, remember? Well, I don't know, you might be too young, but my husband and I would be cracking up, like just on the floor laughing. We met Eddie Murphy here in Studio City. It was really something my wife and I met him. I'm recording another podcast series separate from the one I have, and we're focusing on the greatest stand-up comedy specials of all time. We did a test run on Eddie Murphy Delirious, and we had a couple comedians sit in the booth behind me, and we talked about this stuff at length here in Burbank. So look out for that project that's coming, but Eddie Murphy is the great, in terms of the two sets he did, Raw and Delirious, I don't think anything will ever touch those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was Richard Pryor. Yeah. Yes, and that's what Eddie Murphy Murphy would say. He would say, actually, it's not me. It's, it's Richard Pryor. How has social media changed the way you write and perform comedy? For example, is TikTok a successful platform for you or is it a hindrance? I think it could be either, of course, according to your question. I mean, I think that for me, I have not yet capitalized fully on it. I am starting to write for it. And your question is very salient because it does change the game. You know, you think of context and content. I used to work at Procter & Gamble in the media department. So I was an engineer before that at Johnson & Johnson. Then I was in marketing and media. And that focus was sometimes there's a context and sometimes there's content. And one time, sometimes one thing leads, sometimes another thing leads. And now, yeah, people are recording their special to be chopped up and released on TikTok and Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts and all of these things. I think it does change it. I think instead of doing these longer comedy bits, you're trying to think, how much can I say in one minute? How can I grab the audience's attention that quickly? Because in a room, they're going to watch. They're a captive audience. And so you could take an hour. And I've been a lot more successful at keeping people's attention for an hour, even 100 minutes. And I have not forced myself to really try to do something in one minute or five minutes. It's a different skill set. You have to turn yourself from a marathoner to a sprinter. And then this also opens it up to everybody and anybody now. You know, before you had like your few names that we would say, but now everybody can be a comic and post a one minute video. So that changes too. 100%. And I know there are comedians who resent that. I don't because I think you have to adapt or die. I think that you have to roll with the times. And I always tend to favor the youth in almost every single situation. See what the new thing that's coming down the pike is. I think that's really important to embrace that. I'm a purist when it comes to comedy itself, like the set, what you're talking about. I admire people who can play the guitar and do ventriloquism and hypnosis and impressions and all of that. But to me, I just want to hear your concepts. I want to hear your ideas. I want That's what comedians are. We're funny idea people. And I want to see how you looked at everything just sort of askance and incongruently and how you put that together and found a new analogy or a different way of putting it. But as far as embracing the new technology, you, you got to do it. Keep up with the times. Name of the game. Where do you get your inspiration from? I mean, do you prepare materials? Are you impromptu? I know you mentioned, you know, you like picking up things here and there. Yeah, it's both. I mean, I think a lot of comics would tell you that our best stuff comes impromptu on the stage when you're in front of a room and you're really feeling it and you can really get stuff to come out. I had Zerna Garg on my podcast who sat there in the booth and I asked her a lot about whether she did crowd work. And she goes, you know, I do, but I've written a lot of stuff that I want to get through. I have a lot of things I want to say. I would say I am that also. That said, you know, I grew up watching a lot of theater and what people want to know when they go to the theater is what's different about tonight 
that I couldn't have seen last night that I can't see tomorrow. So something should happen that night in that room where you go, oh, that was different. That guy that he picked on or that lady who came in or whatever it was, that just changed the dynamic. And I think I look for those opportunities if they happen organically. So I would say that there's a lot of stuff that comes from the audience. And I would say I'm really good at crowd work. I mean, I don't think I've seen anyone better if I'm being completely honest, I'm really good at it. Uh, that said, I don't think I've worked that muscle quite as much because I do have a lot to say. And I think being a purist, I want to take, I want to take jokes up there and I want to do my jokes. Do you think a sense of humor is sexy? Yes, I do. I find a lot of funny women in my life because there's there's long been this thing that, hey, women aren't funny. And in fact, the documentary that I was on on Netflix, I don't know if it's there anymore. It's called Women Aren't Funny. It's made by a woman. It's made by a female comedian. And she's trying to poke up the whole idea about females and sense of humor. I mean, I get what people are saying in the sense that like historically, and even if you watch Indian matchmaking or any of these things, it's like, What's the first thing a man wants to know about a woman? What does she look like? What does a woman want to know about a man? What does he do? Right? Those were always the things. Now there's gender fluidity and those roles are changing. And, you know, my wife has a full-time job and she does really well. And I have to come in and change the diaper. It's not acceptable for men in my generation to not be able to change a diaper or prepare food or any of that stuff. You have to. It's part of part of the game. For me, I always found a woman to be more sexy if she had a sense of humor. I think a lot of men can't take that because they're insecure. Maybe they don't want to be picked on or they want to be the one that has, I know a lot of funny women in real life. I, In fact, the funniest people I know are not comedians, which I think is kind of funny to say, but I'll, that would include a lot of women that I, they don't do stand up, but they absolutely crack me up. Well, we did a, an episode once about what women find attractive in men. And I think sense of humor was like the number one. You know, it's interesting because I think what sense of humor refers to in this context, and I thought of this only this week, so you're catching me at a good time. I hear that all the time. I think also it's just not getting frustrated by the daily minutia of life. Instead of getting all pissed off about it, you laugh about it or you laugh at yourself about it. I think a lot of men are not very self-deprecating. I think I think we think we are. Even even women, I don't know, I don't know if that it's a gender uh, specific trait. And I actually was doing a conference many years ago and there's a woman who actually said to me, she goes, "You know, no traits are gender specific." And I never heard that before. She goes, "Yeah, women can be strong, men can be nurturing. You know, these are stereotypes and we have to break past that. That being funny is not only in the domain of men, but to the extent that it helps in a relationship, I think being able to laugh things off and not get pissed off about them, that's a daily battle. But if you could if you could succeed at that, I think you can surmount the challenge that is marriage. I think there's a comedian out, um, she's a woman, Anna Wong. Ali Wong. Yeah, she's hilarious on Netflix. Yes. Very funny. <clears throat> One of the best funny, specials we've ever raw. seen. Very raw, really dirty, just gets right to it. And she broke down a lot of stereotypes, not only about women, but also of South Asian women, or I should say East Asian women, but Asian women in general are like, you know, supposed to be quote unquote, not like that. And she just busted that door wide open. Oh yeah. And then I remember a few years ago, I think all three of us went to see stand-up comedians and they were all women-based. There was yeah. five of them. Yeah, South Asian, they were Pakistani, Indian, Iranian, one lady yeah. with the job it was amazing yeah. it was it was we went i went just to support them because i'm like okay this is kind of cool that you know um they're breaking their shell and um being able to do this so i was booked for a gig in el segundo not too far from here and i specifically chose four south asian females to open the show like let's give some other people some opportunities as well not that they need it they're earning them on their own but to the extent that i can help i think it's great oh no i think it's necessary for everybody to help each other yeah absolutely Okay, so being Asian, um, what challenges did you find um, or did you face telling your family that you wanted to do comedy? The second part for me, very interesting, is how was it when you went to ask for your wife's hand in marriage to her family? 
That's a great question. That's, that's a good pair of questions because I've been very supportive from the jump. They really get it because, you know, being Punjabi, maybe also my mom sang a little bit on the radio part-time, but in Allahabad, she did that. My dad's family made some pretty small, I think, Bollywood films, a lot of which were flops, but they knew Sunil Dutt <laughs> and they knew the Kapoors and they kind of knew of Bollywood. My dad's brother, he's going to kill me for this. My dad's brother is very good looking. He wanted to go into the field as well. I don't find most South Asian men attractive. I'll put that out there. It doesn't matter for me. My brother's gay. I'm not. But what I would say is that he was really, really handsome. And he'll be like, you mean, what do you mean was? I'm like, well, not, you're not, now you're old and fat, but you used to be really, really good looking. And he was, he was very dashing. But, you know, there was always a sense of, they saw the downside of entertainment, of how it's, how challenging it is, how hard it is to make it and all that. So they're worried, like parents are. Now that I'm a parent and I have a 14 month old, you realize that, that everybody goes, oh, is Naveen going to be a comedian? I'm like, no, he's going to be a doctor. He's not going to be a comedian. <laughs> Forget that. That's out of completely out of the question but no of course we're gonna try to indulge you know his tendencies and what he would like to do but that said i think my parents being supporters and then becoming believers is a real thing and that's something that changes like belief is something that happens in their eyes over time right they can support you and they can love you but you're the one who has to do the performance they're not going to do the performance for you you have to do it and some one day when you step off stage one night when you step off stage you'll see it in their eyes and they'll go wow you you're doing it and and that's earned. It has to be earned. It can't be something that anybody gives you. You have to earn it yourself. As far as with my wife's family, they have been really embracing as well. And that that's what was so difficult because my mom, as I was getting older, I turned 37, then 38. I wasn't married, didn't have a girlfriend. And I'd been in a lot of relationships, but my mom sat me down and, you know, my mom came to this country before my dad. She actually came here in 1970, went back, married him and brought him over. So there's hashtag female empowerment for you. She brought him over here. That's breaking down stereotypes from the jump. So again, I think our family is a little bit different in that regard. And in fact, her dad, you know, had two sons, four daughters, sent all of his game, his aim was to send all of them to college and all the daughters attended college. And this is, you know, in the 1950s in the Northern, wow. you know, village in India that just wasn't done at the time. So he treated them all the same and all that. So I think at that point, when I was getting older, my mom sat me down, she goes, okay, Rajiv, you are old, you are bald, you are short, you don't really have a job. We have to be a little bit realistic here. <laughs> She was like Seema Auntie before Seema Auntie was Seema Auntie, right? You have too many criteria. If you get 60, 70%, it's okay. So it was that kind of a thing. And I told my Bob, I'm not compromising. I'm going to find this woman out there somewhere. She exists. And I found Hersha and she's a complete match for me. And it also turned out that the person you like has to like you and her parents also has to like have to like you. Yeah. That's a very tough needle thread for anybody, but especially if you're not a doctor, not tall don't have, you know, long flowing locks and all that stuff, then it becomes harder. But her parents have been very supportive and our families get along and I'm very grateful for that. I do have a wedding coming up. So yay. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. We did do an episode on matchmaking and um, it, this was two episodes ago. So if you ever get to hear it, you'll hear our version of Simanti. But the funniest part was we did our own bios. Oh yeah. Today. Like, what would our bio data look like? I like that. That's a good idea. I'll listen to that. That's really great. I listened to another one. I think part of another one, but I didn't listen to that one. Yeah. So, yeah I didn't know you narrated Indian matchmaking. That was yeah. news to me. That was really something. I got an email from the person who booked me today, and she's like, we'll be in touch about season three. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. So, yeah, what a weird, random thing. So, yeah, again, there I am on Netflix, but I want people to see my face. <laughs> This is our Diwali episode and Diwali is coming up. How did your family celebrate Diwali in the U.S.? So you're very traditional. Um, what did you guys do? 
We were not at all. My parents really wanted to. What I always say about my parents is my, my dad is more knowledgeable and my mom's more intelligent. And people are like, what does that mean? I go, well, because knowledge is the size of your hard drive and intelligence is the speed of your processor. Like my mom moves at a faster rate. My dad knows a lot though. He, he reads a lot. His GK is very good as general knowledge. He knows something about everything and all that. So they are a good pair if they would just stop fighting and be a team. That's what I always tell them. I'm like, as long as one of you knows it, it's the hive mind here, but they always have to compete with each other. So at that rate, my mom is more pious and she counts her mala beads every day, as do I. And she prays every day when she gets out of the shower and lights her dub and all that. And she celebrates, uh, you know, Diwali, Holi, all those in, in a very serious way. My dad knows more though, probably about Hinduism. Whenever I have a question, my mom's like, ask your dad. I'm like, what do you do? She goes, well, I just pray. I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Either way, they, they, they both have their place. But to us, it was more, I, I don't want to say a joke, but it was more of an afterthought because we were socialized to be so mainstream white growing up in Southwest Ohio. All of our friends celebrated Christmas and only Christmas. We didn't have Jewish people around. We didn't have Muslim people around. It was Christmas was the thing. And so we opened presents. We had a tree. We still do that, but now Diwali is a much, much, much bigger part of our lives. Like as we got, have gotten older, we want our parents, our kids to know it and our cousins and nieces and nephews, like Diwali has become like the thing. And that's great. I think it is. But I also think that being in this country, being in the United States, that's the beauty of it is being able to celebrate everything. And at the daycare, they asked us, you know, should we celebrate anymore? What are the other Indian festivals coming up besides Diwali? And we were really happy to know that because it's mostly white. I think there's one other Asian kid there. We're hoping for more diversity in Burbank, but that's the way that it's going over there. And we just thought, you know what, not only would you love, we love for you to celebrate more Hindu holidays, but also we are not opposed to his celebrating anything. If you celebrate Eid or Ramadan or Christmas or Rosh Hashanah, we're in on all of it. So we are not, you know, preventing him from learning anything either. Exactly what we were discussing amongst ourselves. Mala was born in Africa. I was born in India, but grew up in England. And uh, RC was born here. So we did everything. And actually Christmas was probably the bigger celebration. Now it's, it's wonderful to be able to celebrate everything. Same here. We came here in the seventies for the longest time. There was nothing Indian available. Parents are working hard, just trying to make a living. So the last thing on their mind is to do any kind of Diwali celebration. So it wasn't until much, much later, like I'm, if I remember, I'll light a candle, but I'll go to all the Diwali parties and stuff and dress up. Oh yeah. yeah. They're so fun. <laughs> we got to do that and we got to have our drinks and we got to. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that involves, yeah, a Punjabi, um, if there's whiskey there, I'll be there. So. <laughs> a yellow pack. So Reggie, we thought we would do some rapid fire questions with you. So the first thing that comes to your mind or, you know, an answer, are you ready? Let's go. Okay. So what would your favorite topic be to do comedy on politics, different phases of life or on being Indian? Different phases of life. If you had to just get one award, would it be Oscar, Emmy? People's Choice Award or Filmfare Award? Oscar, because I've been watching the Oscars every year since like 85. Favorite food, Indian, Chinese, Italian. Indian. Yoga, weight training, cardio. Cardio. Clubbing or staying home and watching a movie? Clubbing. I was not expecting that. Punjabi, yaar, Punjabi. Punjabi, shuru that's right. Favorite vacation spot? New York. All-time favorite comedy movie? One Hindi, one English. Hindi, maybe Jab We Met, or maybe Peopley Live. I really liked Peopley Live a lot. I thought that was a great satire. American, I would say National Lampoon's Vacation from 1983 when Chevy Chase takes his family to Wally World. Oh my God. I <laughs> love all his movies. Can't my favorite comedy favorite actor ever. Favorite downtime activity? Clubbing. Uh, <laughs> 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 
Uh, my favorite activity, I think, is still probably sitting on the couch and watching TV. I'm, <laughs> that, that to me is, yeah, I, I know I said clubbing and I do like it, but yeah, getting under a blanket even when it's hot out, even having a cup of chai even when it's hot out and watching TV, what's better than that? By yourself or with your honey or with your mom, like it, it just, who can beat a couch and a screen? Your pajamas. I have to add that, yeah. pajamas, yeah. Best. Anything else, Rajiv? Did you want to say anything to our listeners? Thank you for having me. No, I don't really have anything else, but I really do appreciate the insightful questions. You have a good thing going here. Right. Thanks for having me. I really had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rajiv. Happy Diwali. Yes. 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 Happy Diwali. Thank you so much, Rajiv, for talking to us. It was so much fun having you on our show. Life is not easy all the time. There are times when the last thing we want to do is smile or laugh, especially if we've lost a loved one or are facing some hardships. But it's always easier to move on thinking about the good times and laughter that we share. Make happy memories so you have them in your mind's vault always. When life gives you a lemon, make lemonade. Similarly, punch through life's hurdles with humor and humility. It goes a long way. An interesting article that I found about a Canadian high school that during COVID set up a hotline for seniors who were lonely during COVID obviously could not get out. They would call in just to hear a joke and it brought a smile on their face. This was done by students of this high school. What a great idea, right? That is amazing. That is, yeah. Right? And I don't know if it's still continuing, but they averaged over 10,000 calls a day. And it was, the number for that was 877-JOY-FOR-ALL. I and love it. That, that love is that. amazing. How, how cool is that? That's all, that's what we need. We need more stories like this and more laughter in our life. Well, we wish you again a very happy festive season and hope you continue to listen and help us grow on our podcast. Please donate if you would like to help us with our editing and production. Your help is greatly appreciated. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And as quoted by Johnny Depp, laugh as much as you breathe and love as long as you live. Till we meet again, remember life is not short. Life is unpredictable. So always, always strive to stay happy. And add a little spice to your life. And join us again for a little chit chat and chat.